BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. California's historic reparations task force heard testimony last week on anti-Black racism in housing, education, and the environment. Here's Vice Chair Dr. Amos Brown. And we need to make sure that these testimonies are shouted from the housetop and throughout the length and breadth of this state of California. The Reparations Task Force, established last fall, has been charged with studying and developing reparations proposals for black Americans with a focus on the descendants of the enslaved. And last week's meetings were the latest in a series of public meetings that KQED's Lakshmi Sarah has been covering. Lakshmi, welcome to Forum. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. So I just mentioned that the task force met before last week. So where are we in the process right now? Yeah, so um, they've had uh, the the October meetings were the second set of sort of substantive meetings. September also they had testimony um, from various people and uh, expert witnesses. Um, And then there are, I believe, a total of at least 10 meetings. And then next uh, June or July, there will be a recommendation sent to the state legislature. So the task force meetings that just finished up last week, those were about housing, education, and also environmental racism. Can you share a couple of things within those areas, issues that were brought up during the meetings? Um, yes, uh, there were so many different things that it's hard. It's, 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 it's so hard to focus on any one thing, but, but I mean, I think one of the things, that, uh, some of the things that stick out to me were just, um, uh, Kavika Smith, who was talking about um, what might reparations for students look like for Black students, what might that, you know, how might we imagine the future of that? Um, when we're talking about environmental racism, you know, what does reparations look like when it comes to the environment, specifically for communities such as those in Oakland, who have really been, you know, felt the brunt of a lot of the environmental racism? Um, yeah, those are just a few things that come to mind. And remind us who is on the task force. Yes. So um, we've got nine different people, um, eight out of nine uh, Black Americans, uh, Californians. And um, I believe there's, oh, dear, Camila will have to um, correct me if I'm wrong. Four out of the nine are um, assembly members. Um, so state legislatures, people who are part of the state legislature. Mm. Um, everyone with, you know, a wealth of experience on all of these issues covering different aspects. So law, um, psychology, um, activism. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's pretty, it's 
just to read people's bios who are on the task force is 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 very impressive. Well, you mentioned Camila Moore, so let's bring her into the conversation. Camila Moore is chair of the California Reparations Task Force. Camila Moore, welcome to Forum. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being here. And and just to step back for a moment, can you help us understand the historic nature of what you've been asked to lead and California's role in this nationwide? Yes, absolutely. So California's Reparations Task Force, it's the first in the nation. It's the first time a state has decided uh, to account for harms related to the institution of slavery um, and the lingering effects of slavery. And so the task force scopes and powers are predicated on AB 3121, which was a legislative bill authored by uh, then assembly member Shirley Weber, but now she is California's secretary of state. And it was signed into passage by California Governor Newsom in September, 2020. And so the law requires the nine member task force to examine slavery that existed in the United States, discrimination in the public and private sectors against those who were enslaved and their descendants and the lingering negative effects of the institution of slavery. And the law, oh, sorry. Yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> so the law also requires that the task force recommend how California will issue a formal apology how to eliminate discrimination in existing state laws and how to establish new programs, policies, or projects to address the group's findings. And then lastly, the task force will also determine how any potential compensation should be calculated and who would be eligible, as well as additional forms of rehabilitation or restitution. So are you in the study and development phase right now then in terms of developing reparations proposals? So we're in the study phase um, right now. We're not necessarily in the development phase, um, but we're in the study phase. So you're absolutely right. So uh, the September hearing, September 23rd and 24th, was our first substantive hearing where we talked about or discussed topics related to the transatlantic slave trade, the institution of slavery, and the impetus and implications of the great migrations. And so we invited people to come and provide personal and expert testimony. So, so some of the expert witnesses who came to share their expertise uh, were Isabel Wilkerson, who's the author of Cast and Warmth of, uh, of the Other Sons, and she was the first Black American woman to win the Pulitzer Prize in journalism. We had John A. Powell come to speak, who is um, a director of the UC Berkeley Othering and Belonging Institute. And we also had uh, Douglas Blackman, who is a writer, and he won the 2009 Pulitzer Prize for his book entitled Slavery by Another Name, The Reenslavement of Black Americans from the Civil War to World War II. And briefly, uh, we had our, our second substantive hearing, October 12th and October 13th, where we started to discuss the more contemporary harms against Black Americans, particularly um, in housing and education, segregation, environmental racism, racism in banking tax and labor, um, and the racial wealth gap, as Lakshmi um, talked about earlier. Um, and some of the expert witnesses that we um, invited was um, Marissa Baradaran, who is a professor at UC Irvine and the author of The Color of Money. We had William Spriggs, who is an American economist, um, come and speak as well. Um, Anthony Rogers Wright from the Climate Justice Alliance um, and many other people as well. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned Mersa Baradaran and uh, we actually have a cut of her talking about how to examine the impacts of 
slavery and the impacts of black on black Americans through zoning and land use. So so let's just hear a little bit of the kind of testimony that you're taking in. I would look at every city and, and locality on eminent domain, looking at the Bruce Beach example, just every every single decision, uh, Bill said roads, but any sort of eminent domain and, and whether there was a disproportionate effect on black communities. And two, I would look at um, the contracts for um, each federal government contracting and whether there was any sort of diversity in that. And third, I would look at zoning, zoning decisions and their effects. So that's Marissa Baradaran, as you mentioned, author of The Color of Money. And so it sounds like what is emerging from these meetings spark potential policy directions for the task force. Is that right? Yes, yes, absolutely. So the nine member task force, you know, we're all experts in the reparation space um, as well. But the whole point of these hearings is to one, educate the public about um, these topics and about California's role um, in maintaining slavery, which we discussed in our first meeting, and then to also discuss and educate the public about the more contemporary harms um, that Black Americans are facing in this state. Uh, but then after we collect this expert and in, in, in personal testimony, um, the task for the nine members is to develop a comprehensive reparations package um, for Black Americans based on knowledge. We're talking with Camila Moore, chair of the California Reparations Task Force, also a lawyer. Also, Lakshmi Sarah is with us, digital producer and reporter for KQED, who's been covering all of the developments of the task force since it was established. And you, our listeners, if you have questions about what the Reparations Task Force is doing, the hearings, or if you watched any of the testimony and want to share your reactions, you can call us at 866-733-6786. You can email us, forum at kqed.org. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. Camila Moore, you mentioned personal testimony is part of this. Talk about what kind of personal testimony you're getting. Lakshmi was saying there's been such a broad range of things that have come up. What are some moments that have stood out to you and why is the personal testimony so important? Right. So personal testimony is so important. It really guides our work, right? The knowledge um, and the expertise is, is invaluable, but the personal testimony is invaluable uh, for a whole host of other reasons. Um, and it really uh, uh, lends the task force credibility um, by matching expertise with lived experience, right? And so for the September hearing, some of the testimony that stood out to me, um, we had Bertha Gorman. She is the grandmother of Amanda Gorman, who is um, a poet, and she talked about her experience um, going through the Great Migration, moving from the South to California, um, and some of the discrimination that she faced um, while she came to California in the early 50s and 60s. And then for the October hearing, we had uh, many different people come and provide personal testimony. Uh, two people in particular stood out, uh, Paul Austin, He's a homeowner and he went viral recently um, because his home was valued $500,000 more when his white friend um, helped him and his wife by swapping out some of the black art in their home and swapping out pictures of, the black, of their black family with um, their white friend's family. And then after that second appraisal with the white uh, family, they found that their home was appraised for $500,000 more. And so again, he went viral um, 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 based on that incident, 
And um, since he went viral, there has been many Black families who have come out and told a similar story. And so he provided personal testimony to the task force. And he also talked about how his grandparents moved to the Bay Area when um, in the 50s and 60s and how his grandfather actually had to build a house um, on a 90, de a 90 degree angle um, on the hill um, of the, in the Bay Area um, at night and on, on, and on weekends because um, if the white neighborhood found out that a black family was building a home there, you know, violent would, violence would ensue. So he had to take those extreme measures to build that house. And actually the white female realtor who's, who, who, who sold that house or sold that lot to him actually was blackballed from the real estate industry. And so Paul Austin pretty much told his family story to say, you know, my grandfather went through these extreme measures just to have a home in this area. And while I'm a homeowner today, I'm still getting, I'm still facing anti-black discrimination. And I hope with this task force that my children, you know, won't have to go through some of the same things that my family went through. Right. So we're talking about the latest hearings of California's reparations task force. And you're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Let me go to caller Henry in Santa Rosa. Hi, Henry. Hi there. I was wondering if anybody's talking about reparations for the war on drugs. Mm. Camila Moore. Absolutely. That's a great question. So as Lakshmi said, we have at least 10 meetings lined up and our February 2022 hearing, we're going to talk about the history of policing uh, and the war on drugs um, in particular. So it'll be a two day hearing. And the second day we'll be discussing the war on drugs at length. Let me go to Michael in Oakland next. Hi, Michael. Hi. What would you like to Are say? Are you there? I am. What's oh, on so your would, mind? I, oh, so, you know, to me, I'm an African-American here in Oakland, but to me, the whole reparations thing is just a bunch of smoke and mirrors because it's really what we need to increase Black participation in society. It's the generational thing. We need to have better education in our schools. We need to target business. Like, they target other things. They target um, the dreamers, so we can target things that'll help the black community, that'll help the generation. But to go talk about what everybody knows what happens, it'll just be the same thing. If you don't change the education and make business opportunities there, you can talk all you want about structural changes. What are you going to do? Give people a bunch of money? That's not going to solve anything. You need to change the mindset of the group, and you do that through education and business opportunities. And can to me, the whole thing is just, you know, to make people feel like they're doing something. Well, Camila, what's your reaction to what Michael is saying there? Well, I'll just say that reparations is more than money. Um, and so I'm, I'm an international law scholar and under international law reparations, um, in order to be comprehensive, has to come in at least five forms. So compensation or money is just one of those five forms. There's also rehabilitation, restitution, satisfaction, guarantees of non-repetition. I know we have limited time, so I can't really get into what all that means, but I'll say that I agree with the caller in the sense that yes, education and business opportunities has to be a part of the conversation and it is, right? And so like, again, in our in October hearing, we talked about education um, at length and we'll be discussing um, business as well, um, but we have to also address some of the systemic inequities, right? Um, in our education system um, in order for those opportunities to actually um, 
arise for yeah one of the uh one of the people who gave testimony that i was particularly struck by was from professor rucker johnson at uc berkeley about education and i, I want to play a little bit of what he said in terms of what this reparations conversation means to him every time i get up to speak i get a lump in my throat and my grandmother said the lump you're feeling in your throat represent the voices of all your ancestors that have gone before you, that have no voice. And now you have voice, and you're speaking on their behalf. And that's what you feel, the lump in your throat, is their voices demanding you represent their life experiences. We're hearing testimony from the latest hearings of California's Reparations Task Force. And let me go to Heather in San Francisco. Hi, Heather. Ooh. Looks like I'm Perfect. having question. Um, I was curious to know if the task force was also going to look at the racial disparities uh, in the who is in our child welfare system in California. I know our state is among the worst in the racial disparities as far as black children. Heather, thanks. Camila. Absolutely. We definitely plan to discuss, um, discuss child welfare. Um, we have at least 10 hearings and that will be discussed um, at the later half of our hearing. So we're gonna have a, 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 sorry, a hearing on public health, health in general, um, and child welfare will be a part of that conversation too. Lakshmi, remind us how you have been listening in on the hearings and how people who want to attend can attend the virtual meetings. Yeah, definitely. So it's been really um, uh, powerful, but also I've been just um, listening from my computer at home. So for anybody who does want to attend the meetings, the um, agenda and schedule is available. Usually, I believe it's 10 days before, and you can just log on like you would um, uh, any Zoom meeting. There's also um, uh, some organizations are, are taking the testimony live on YouTube. Um, and so I think that it's, it's great for people to actually attend too, because it's really powerful to hear all of the different people speaking. And, and Camila, it sounds like you are working on rolling out an even more developed community engagement plan. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So at the September hearing, we voted for the UCLA Bunt Center to assist the task force with um, a, a robust community engagement plan. So that will in, entail hiring a communications consultant um, who will help us to you know, spread the, wor the word across California. But they will also um, help us to organize a series of listening sessions whereby two to three task force members at a time will be meeting the community where they are, whether that's in Northern, Central, or Southern California, in between, um, to have listening sessions, to hear from community members directly about what they view as reparations and their needs and how the task force can, can meet them through this, this, this historical mandate. And to distill what and who qualifies for, for reparations is a massive task, Camila. We're just coming up on the end of the hour, but I just wondered how you're doing, <laughs> if it's not too overwhelming at times. Oh, yeah, no, I, I'm doing fine. I'm doing well. <laughs> it's, it's an incredible honor. And so, and it's something that I've studied in college and in at law school. So this is right up my avenue and I'm just 
fortunate for the opportunity. Chair of the California Reparations Task Force, Camila Moore. Also Lakshmi Sara, digital producer and reporter for KQED, who's been covering the task force, has been with us this hour. Thanks to listeners for their questions and comments. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.